Hi, this is Rabbi Ari Spiegler with the Bichwa Kila Shamri Tefillah podcast. We continue in our discussion of Kriya. Kriya is the seventh language, form, or expression of Tefillah. Kriya, we've explained, is a Tefillah with the recognition that Hashem is listening. He has within his ability to help. We use a specific name, a title, an honorific of Hashem, describing one of his attributes, describing the different things he could do, in hopes that he'll use those attributes, he'll use those character traits in order to help us. We are in Oat Gimel, the third part of our discussion on the Tefillah of Kriya. We've been doing a deep dive in understanding Bitachon, understanding putting our trust and confidence in Hashem, what that means, what's required of us, and that will, says Rapinkus, better help us understand the tefillah of Kriya. We took a little break yesterday to discuss a footnote of Rapinkus, but we've been describing the idea that even Rishayim, even, uh, you know, terribly wicked people, lo aleinu, if they have bitachon, then Hashem will come quickly to help them. But we also said that they would need a higher level of bitachon because they do not have enough merit. Continuing on that theme, Rabbeinu says, If you look at the Midrash uh, on Sefer Malachim, we find this very same idea about Pitachon, even from Rishayim. In regards to the king Menashe, he was the king of the uh, the kingdom of Yehuda, Vizal, Vizel Shano. My Vayasru, what does it mean that they tied him up? So Asalo came in, Muliar shall Nechoshef, Asuo Toni Kavim, Nekavim, and Atnu Latocha. So the uh, Assyrians, they placed Menashe in this big copper cauldron and they started to light a fire beneath it. Uh, you can imagine that's not going to go very well for him. So when he saw how painful it was going to be, when he saw how this was going to be his inevitable end and a painful end, so he started crying out to every single form of Avodah Zarah, every single form of pagan worship that he had been involved in. And he's crying out to each and every one of them, right? that uh, he explains here, he would say, to this deity, come and save me. To that deity, come and save me. He was crying out to literally every single God that he could think of. And of course, nothing happened because there are no other gods and they couldn't help him. When he saw that nothing was happening, so Amar, he said to himself, He said he remembered a Pasuk, this is a Parshat Vayetchanan, Devarim Perak Dalad, I believe, that when uh, bad things are happening to you, when you're in a situation of distress, so then, you should return, you should repent to Hashem your God. So, so I am going to call out to this uh, God of the Jewish people to Hashem. If he answers me, great. And if not, so then all of these faces are the same, meaning all the deities are exactly the same. He says, just like the different deities that I cried out to, they didn't answer me. So to Hashem, he's no different. Okay, so that's the tefillah. Abinasha has, he's calling out to anyone and anything to help him. And he says, you know, I'll call out to Hashem. If he helps me, great. If not, it must be that he's no good, like any of these other pagan deities. So the, the Malachim, the, the ministering angels, they were closing up the windows so that Tzfilah could not go before Hashem. And they were saying to Hashem, how can you possibly allow this person, this person who put a pagan deity in the Beit HaMikdash, how can you allow him to do tshuva, to repent? So, Hashem said back to them, If I don't answer his tefillot, if I don't allow him to repent, so then I am as if telling all people that there is a point of no return. There is a point where you cannot do tshuva. So what did Hashem do? So what did Hashem do? He burrowed a hole beneath his kisei beneath his uh, 
you know, uh, throne of glory, and he allowed those tefillot to go in, meaning they couldn't go through the windows, but Hashem did want to hear those tefillot, he did want to accept the tefillot, he did want to accept the tshuva of Menashe, so he burrowed a hole underneath his throne in order to allow for it. So Rupinkis says, this is, uh, this is very difficult to understand. Why is it that this is a valid argument that Menashe is making, right? I'll call out to Hashem, and if he answers me, great, and if not, then he's just as uh, fake as the other gods. Just like they didn't answer me, which was proof that they uh, there was nothing behind them, that there was nothing divine about these so-called deities. The same is true when it comes to Hashem. Rapinka says, it's not similar at all. When it comes to those idols, he bowed down to them and he worshipped them his entire life. Of course, they should, in theory, if they have any divine nature, they should answer him in his time of distress because he was a good follower of theirs. And if they don't answer him, then it's okay, fine. Then, then it must be that they don't care about him. If he, you know, worship them his entire life and they don't answer, they must be fake. But when it came to Hashem, Menashe didn't worship him properly. If anything, he was killing his righteous people. He was killing the prophets. He was he filled all of Yerushalayim with blood. He was constantly involved in murder. And he only called out to Hashem by default, meaning he was the last God to call out to, not because he really believed. It was only then that he called out to Hashem. And also he cries he cries out with a little bit of chutzpah, right? was uh, a little bit uh, with audacity. And he, he's making stipulations. He says, Rapinkas, of course Hashem shouldn't answer him. Right? This is, it doesn't make any sense. The Avodah Zarah that you worshipped, they should answer you. The God that you violated every prohibition in the Torah, of course he shouldn't answer you. So what, what kind of argument is he making here that they're all the same if Hashem doesn't answer him? We'll have to see how Rapinkas answers this tomorrow.